You're listening to the Wellspring Podcast. I'm Caleb Williams, the worship leader and prayer room coordinator of Wellspring Community. This week's message was given by Pastor David Williams. It's about the Lord being the door. He opens doors, he closes them, and he leads us into them. We pray this message encourages you to see the doors open and closed in your own life and allow the Lord to lead you as he wishes. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this word. I am the door. I am the door. Well, John's presentation of Jesus is actually different than the other Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, for instance, these are called the Synoptic Gospels because they kind of see eye to eye or see very similarly. Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That's the main subject. That's the topic of his message and mission in those three Gospels. But in John's Gospel, it's called the Unique Gospel. And in John's Gospel, Jesus proclaims Himself. In other words, Jesus is the subject of His message and mission in John's Gospel. His relationship with the Father and the Spirit is central to His self-pronouncements. He proclaims Himself by using the divine name, I Am. In John's Gospel, we learn who Jesus is, His identity through this self-expression. There are seven of them, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate or the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine. In each and every one of these identity statements, Jesus is saying to us today, Beloved, I am the fulfillment of all your needs and wants, and what you're looking for in life is actually found in me. I will quench your thirst, your gnawing hunger, your answer to life, your direction in life, your search for truth and meaning, your connection to God, and your need for salvation. I am it. I am the one. I am the source for the most important Things you need to live in this life and in the life and in, in, in the next life, the age to come. The problem is that many during Jesus' day did not believe that Jesus was all of these things, particularly those who had authority over religious matters. Their theology was so tight that Jesus didn't fit into their God box. This really shouldn't surprise us all that much today. Still to this very day, many people simply believe that Jesus was a good man, a model, a teacher, a prophet, a preacher. To be one with God or to be the second person of the Trinity is completely out of the question. But for Jesus to be who He says He is, that means that those who have encountered Him, those who have experienced Him, reveal the truth about His identity through their life, through their commitment through their relationship of loving intimacy with Jesus. In other words, these identity statements, these divine I am sayings of Jesus actually force us as beloved disciples of Jesus to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus who He says He is according to the way I live my life? To all a witnessing world to behold is He the bread of my life? Is He, uh, do I live by His light? 
Do I enter through Him as the door of salvation, or do I keep trying to rescue myself? Do I trust Him to shepherd me? Do I depend on His resurrection, or do I keep trying to uh, lift myself up? Do I let Him be the way for me, or do I keep asking for directions from other sources? Is He the truth by which I judge all lesser truths in the world in which I live today? Is He my life, or do I employ other entertainments to bring me life? Do I abide in Him, cling to Him as a branch to the vine, and draw all my spiritual nourishment from Him? And no one knew this better than the man born blind. We talked a little bit about him last week. His story is found in John chapter 9. The religious authorities didn't buy into his story. They interrogated him about his religious experience with Jesus. They wrote him off as a heretic and they pushed him out of the synagogue, quite literally erasing him from the membership role. They kicked him out of the synagogue front door. Why? All because of his encounter. Because of his experience with Jesus, the one who healed him of his blind condition since childbirth. In other words, Jesus became lied to him in a way that he had never experienced before or since. And by the end of the story of the man born blind in John chapter 9, we see this new disciple, this weak sheep, found by Jesus, surrounded by his love and comfort in his authentic worship of Jesus as the truest light that the world has ever known. Well, that scenario in John chapter 9 brings us to Jesus' teaching in John chapter 10, where Jesus serves as a corrective to those who just kicked one of His very own sheep out of God's sheepfold. And in doing so, Jesus accuses them of acting as bandits, as thieves that try to harm one of God's vulnerable sheep. However, Jesus proclaims Himself as the door as the gate and the good shepherd. Two of the seven I am sayings in John, the one who provides security and sustenance for his very own sheep. The one who provides his security and sustenance for his very own sheep. And in this scenario, Jesus is actually fulfilling the prophetic prayer from Moses in Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 through 17. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that amazing? The Lord heard that prayer of Moses, and Jesus is standing in the midst of these accusers of the brethren, thieves, bandits, and He's saying, here I am. You can't get to one of these sheep over my dead body. <laughs> the image of the door is a powerful one in Scripture, and I want you to hold on to this because the Holy Spirit is highlighting it for us today. And even though they, they don't understand or comprehend this figure of speech that Jesus is using, remember the Lord is a poet in verse 6, because they're blind and because they're resistant to God's truth in Jesus, we understand and comprehend fully the incredible gift of salvation that we've experienced and have come to know intimately through Jesus our Good Shepherd. 
And one preacher tells a story about a friend of hers who grew up on a sheep farm in the Midwest. And according to her friend, sheep are not as dumb as we're often led to believe. He says that cattle ranchers are actually responsible for propagating this half-truth, all because sheep do not behave like cows. Cows are herded from the rear by hooting cowboys and cracking whips, but that will not work with sheep. Stand behind sheep making loud noise, and all they're doing is going to run around behind you because they prefer, she says, to be led. You push cows, you lead sheep. And they will not go anywhere that someone else does not go first, namely their shepherd who goes ahead of them to show them that everything's all right. And a shepherd can walk right through a sheep, uh, a sleeping flock of sheep without disturbing a single one of them. But when a stranger steps into the fold, the result is pandemonium. This is an important point, I think, that Jesus is wanting to teach us today. Just as sheep develop a special bond with the shepherd, even so Jesus desires that you and I, that we as his sheep, the sheep of his sheepfold, develop a special relationship with him. A relationship that's characterized by our faith and by our trust, our confidence in his leadership as our good shepherd. And that it becomes very personal for us that He's my shepherd, and in Him I shall not want. Our relationship with Jesus works as we place ourselves in a position to hear His voice. And when we follow Him as He calls us, in other words, intimacy and obedience actually go together as sheep of His sheepfold. The good news is that when we see more fully who Jesus is as the door of our salvation and as the shepherd who sustains and nourishes our souls, then hopefully we'll come to a deeper desire to be led by Christ who is, whose intention is only for our good, for our security and protection and for our sustenance and provision. So today I'd like us to look a little more closely at these two aspects of following Jesus who is the entrance and the exit, the door or the gate of our salvation, the door or the gate of our salvation. And I think it's very, very important that we understand that salvation isn't just simply the decision we make, but that it's the lifelong experience of following Jesus as one of His beloved sheep. And we're so... Uh, uh, especially those of us who've been raised uh, in evangelical circles to make get decisions for Jesus, but there is such a deficiency in discipling those people who make decisions, and they fall out of the sheepfold immediately. And this is not the way of Christ. To make a decision for Christ to, is to literally begin to take up our cross and follow Him immediately. It's a life of discipleship, of staying connected with the sheepfold. It's not just simply marking off a, a list of a whole bunch of people that are co constantly making decisions for Jesus that they never live out fully a life of Christian discipleship. It begs the question whether or not they're really ever saved in the first place if they're not secure in the sheepfold of God. And yes, there are wolves out there who have a very distorted and deficient understanding of what it means to shepherd the people of God. And we need someone who will protect us. And the Lord reminds us that He's that one 
But we are called men and women of God who uh, have been appointed and placed and anointed to serve the community of faith and to provide spiritual leadership are also to guard the trust, to guard the vision, to guard the flock, and to be careful for those that are prowling like the enemy of our souls is always prowling, to pounce and to destroy and to harm the sheep and the community, to sow discord and disunity and distrust in the body of Christ. These are very real realities in the, in the modern day church today. So first, Jesus says that the door is the proper entrance in the sheepfold where we find security and protection from those who would harm us. Verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 9. Now the man born blind knew what it was like to be kicked out of the security of the synagogue, his spiritual home to be left shivering out in the cold, his reputation tarnished, that no family would take him in, his healing left him vulnerable and wounded from the reproach and the rejection from friends, family, as well as his own spiritual family. And it's interesting to me that the Lord has highlighted spiritual, um, yeah, the religious uh, spirit in this season of the church, in this hour, this year, Jeremiah Johnson, who's a modern-day prophetic person, that we're going to experience rejection from the religious spirit in the body of Christ. But Jesus came to him, and he invited him into a new sheepfold, the new Messianic community, made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? Where he would find a new spiritual home, security from the outside hostile world, and a personal relationship with Jesus within the safety of the sheepfold, within a context of family, a community. Wellspring is to be a community, not just simply individuals who kind of float in and float out, but we are to be a part of the sheepfold of God, secure with the good shepherd who is shepherding us as the people of God. Now, most of us know what it's like to not be accepted in society. We know what rejection is like. We know how hard it is to fit in with our peers. I dealt with the spirit of accusation this week from a blind brother in the Lord who carries a religious spirit. It's very real. I wanted to thump him. <laughs> Holy Spirit checked my heart. It's like, I know, Lord. Father, forgive. The church was and is to be a place for all the religious misfits. You ever feel like a misfit? Well, you're probably in good company in this house of prayer. <laughs> it is, it was, and it is a place for the outcasts and for the sinners. The church was and it is to be a hospitable place of acceptance to those stranded on the streets, left dead with no loving family or even a safe home. A community where there are no orphans, only beloved sons and daughters, sheep with a very good and beautiful Jewish shepherd. 
And Jesus' judgment upon the religious authorities of his day, as well as the church of today, is that whenever we hurt or harm one of his vulnerable sheep, God will step in to protect and provide for his sheepfold. This image of Jesus as the door, as the gate, it was actually a very rich image in the culture of Jesus' day. Perhaps there's no historic precedence for this practice, but there is an illusion for modern day practice. This cultural practice provides, I think, for us a spiritual analogy today. It's said that the shepherd would keep the sheepfold in a stone enclosure where at the entrance of the stone enclosure, the shepherd would actually lay down at night and act as a door to the entrance of the sheepfold. In other words, if anyone wanted to harm the sheep, they would have to go through the shepherd. Mamas and daddies are good at this if you think about it. You try to hurt one of their children, you may hear them say, over my dead body. Come on. Well, in this passage, Jesus says, as the good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep, verse 11. And not only does he say that he lays down his life for the sheep, but he also takes his life up for the sheep. Jesus does this out of his own accord, out of his own power that's derived from his heavenly Father. Now I want you to look at this. He lays his life down. You like my door? He lays his life down, his death. He takes his life up. His resurrection, verses 17 and 18. He lays His life down, His death. He raises His life up, His resurrection. I am the door. I open and no one can shut. I close and no one can open. This is a powerful image. As the gate, Jesus quite literally has become the door, the entrance into the safety and the security of the sheepfold where we're protected from the outside evil world, from the evil one or anyone for that matter that would try to harm us or snatch us away out of his hand, verses 28 and 29. He is the door, he's the gate through the laying down and the taking up his life for us. Isn't that a powerful image of the door? That Jesus says, I am the door. That, my friend, is the good news. It really is. So it is through the door where we find the proper entrance into the sheepfold of salvation, God's security and protection from the world and from the enemy that would harm us, the enemy of our soul that is likened to a lion that prowls, that roars, that's trying to harm us. Secondly, Jesus says that the door is the proper exit in the sheepfold where we find sustenance and provision to a rich and lush pasture land of abundant living, verses 4 and 5 and 9 and 10. Jesus is the door or the gate has also become the exit for us when as the good shepherd he leads us in the words of the psalmist beside the still waters in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Listen to what Jesus says again. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verses 7 and through 9. In other words, Jesus not only protects us from those who would harm us, Jesus is also the one who provides us the pasture of life. His pasture is abundant, beloved. It provides all that we need and it fully satisfies us. Jesus is not just the only way by which salvation and life can be obtained in this life. Jesus is also the one whose sustenance, whose provision is completely satisfying and sufficient for all our needs in life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him, Psalm 34, 8. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16:11. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, literally pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. You know, it's unfortunate when I hear people talk about the Christian life as being uh, a religion of a bunch of do's and don'ts. In doing so, we really have done a disservice to Christ. There are many killjoys in the church that haven't discovered the life of abundance in the grace of God. Many believe the Christian life to be restrictive and unpleasant. Well, they're not talking about the kind of abundant life that Christ came to offer us today. For the kingdom of God, the Apostle Paul, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. He writes that in Romans chapter 14. My New Testament professor writes, Authentic life, life to the full, is life in obedience to the whole will of God. Everything. (laughs) When we understand the will of God as the redemption of all creation, instead of being good or avoiding evil, the Christian life becomes tremendously exciting and challenging. Being good and avoiding evil become a small though necessary price to pay to accomplish the great task of changing the world for Christ. You know, when our children are young, we won't let them out an earshot, an eyeshot of us. I heard somebody say parenting is like as our children get older, we, it's like we have this rope. And that, that rope is tied up to our children in a, in, and we hold on to it, right? But, you know, when they're this age, it's tied up pretty close. I mean, we might let them get about three feet away from us, but that's about it. And when we're outside, we especially won't let them get too far. And we'll tell them over and over again, don't go out on the road, don't go out on the road. And we'll even run out, you know, 
We, I mean, we're just that close. But as they get older, as they start to get older, you, that, that stretch of line, that, that rope gets a little longer. But they're still within our grasp. The Lord is going to give us freedom, beloved. But He doesn't let that rope go. And you're going to feel the tug of Him from time to time. That's the Holy Ghost. You're going to say, well, I, you know, yeah, I kind of want to enjoy this. That actually isn't life-giving for you. Holy Spirit's going to tell you that. That's the tug. That's the rope. That's because the Lord loves you and He only cares for your good. And He's going to continue to do that. And that's a good thing. As the gate, Jesus Christ is the door of entrance into the security of the sheepfold, and He's the door of exit into the sustaining pasture land of abundant living. That's what salvation is all about, dearly beloved. So let me ask you, have you entered safely and securely into God's sheepfold today? And do you enjoy being led out to pasture by the Good Shepherd who sustains our lives in His abundant grace, His goodness, His mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell, live in the house of the Lord forever. I want to invite Caleb to come at this time. I want to suggest to you this morning, beloved, that you know one of the best places that you can nurture God's abundant grace in your life, that you can sustain your relationship with God and listen to the voice of the Lord is at this table. It's here at this table. It's at Christ's table where we are nurtured, where we are loved, where we are fed, where we are accepted, we're cared for, and we receive forgiveness and healing and transforming grace. He prepares a table, a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. At His table, beloved, we are known and we're loved intimately. And the result of knowing Jesus the door and hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd is really found at the heart of verse 10, a life of eternal abundance. Amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your word today.